namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Bhutang Dhammang Sankang Namasami So, uh, you know, one of the great insights of the Buddha <coughs> was to see how one of the main sources of our suffering, of our dukkha, of our difficulties, is to is the is the what he would maybe say the the misidentification with this body, with these feelings, thoughts, perceptions, uh, sense experience. And certainly, uh, you know, we, it feels very much like, you know, this is me here, and I know what it feels like to be me, and I remember my, some of my history. <laughs> and, uh, and there are certain tendencies that are Ananda Bodhi-ish that uh, I recognize and certainly people I live with recognize. Some are a lot uh, more, uh, favorable than others. And so that's kind of how it is on, you know, on some level, here we are, all of these different individuals with, with uh, different characters and different histories and different bodies and uh, you know, different uh, genders. And this is, this is part of our experience. Um, so on a conventional level, this is, this is how it is. This is what we experience, what we meet. And the world also meets us dependent on how we, how we look, how we, you know, culturally, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, what's favoured, what's not favoured. So we, you know, we meet whatever our views or ideas may be, you know, the, the, the physical body that we have and also how we hold it how we how we abide in it you know the world meets us with with this as the um, like the presentation of 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 one's of ourself and uh, I noticed as as I was as growing up um, just how differently people would relate depending on how the body was so went through a time of being very quite quite large and and then I lost a lot of weight and became quite slim and amazing how differently people related to me from one to the other and I remember feeling quite indignant like well you know basically the same person here so what's this what's this uh, projection on on the exterior of the body and also uh, quite a number of times both in my lay life and now I get mistaken for a man, so, and I noticed how if I'm mistaken for a man, how differently people relate to me than if they think I'm a woman. So, it's kind of interesting to see those different uh, ways the world 
meets us depending on how we appear on the physical level. And uh, skin color is also is big in America, big deal, what your skin color is. It's just so, and the skin is <laughs> so, so thin, such a, such a very surface experience. And yet people s- so strongly identify and judge and uh, abuse, you know, on the, on the level of skin color. It's kind of a, a madness. So this is kind of the madness of identification. And uh, a lot of suffering comes from that. So um, the Buddha recognized that, you know, in, in his in his search for freedom, and he saw, you know, that all of this that we we call me and mine is is changing all the time. It's constantly, constantly changing not just kind of gradually changing over years, but it's changing all the time, every moment. And so what we take to be me and mine is, is a, a flux or a, or a flow or a river of conditions coming together for a while. And uh, through his compassion, you know, he found, he found ways to teach and, and quite a number of different ways to point to the, the truth of this, um, this river of experience that we call me and mine. And one of those, those ways is the, the satipatthana, the four foundations of mindfulness. And in the four foundations of mindfulness, he's taking our experience to the, to the real fundamental level. So, breath is something we just don't really notice. And then he's saying, Be mind- bring mindfulness to the breath. Notice an in-breath and notice an out-breath. He's not saying get into the, you know, into the chemistry of what, what's in the breath when it comes in and what's in it when it comes out. It's just saying notice an in-breath. Bring mindfulness to in-breath and out-breath. Know if the in-breath is a long breath or if it's a short breath know if the out-breath is a long breath or a short breath. So it's just about knowing, it's about coming into direct experience with what's going on here and now. And when we do that, we notice, you know, we can't, well, at least it seems to me you can't help but notice the flux of it all. So sometimes, you know, when we start to practice mindfulness with the breath, we think we have to control it because we're so used to kind of taking control of everything. <laughs> so this breath that's been going on, you know, since we were little babies just out the womb, we think, oh, got to do that, got to do the breath, okay, what am I supposed to have, a long breath or a short breath? Or <laughs> is my breath supposed to be shallow or deep? And, you know, so we think we have to, it's like the ego takes over, thinks it has to do the breathing. But all we need to do is, is know, just know the breathing and know if it's shallow or if it's deep or if it's long or short or if one long breath is is short and the out breath is long and you start thinking about it well how does that work you know i'm going to run surely i run out of breath but it's doing that you don't need to to uh, analyze it but just just simply know it for what it is and then he says to know it internally and externally so we can't directly know a, a, another person's breath but or another being's breath 
But we can know, you know, just as, just as my breath has this nature, then the breath of everybody else here, including the dog, has the same nature. <coughs> it's the same. So, you know, breathing is just that. It's just breathing. And it's not my breath, my special breath. Even though on one hand it's, it's incredibly special, you know, it's like this is our life force. Without this we, we live like two minutes or something. So it's, it's, it's literally vital. And at the same time, it is just this flowing process. So he's encouraging us to, to experience our ordinary experience in a, in a very simple and fundamental way. So breath is simply breath. And then um, you know, the, I mentioned the, the four postures, so sitting, standing, walking, lying down. So just knowing, it can be just that much, just knowing, sitting, rather than sitting down thinking about this, or what am I like, what am I going to be like in the future, what I did in the past, sitting, it's like this. And getting up standing, it's like this. So just knowing it for what it is, very, very simple. It's so simple it's hard to do, very, very simple. And then, uh, you know, we get used to those four postures and then there's, there's activities, there's the things that we do. Walk, you know, we walk mindfully down the hill and get to the dining hall and then eating, it's an activity. Washing of dishes, maybe, activity. So, you know, also being aware of the activity, stretching, dressing, bathing, using the, the bathroom, defecating, urinating. All of these things the Buddha is inviting us to bring mindful attention to, to bring awareness to. Nothing special, you know, it's just normal life, nothing special, but notice it. And then as we, and he, he invites us to frequently pay careful attention. So with each, each part of the, the Satipatthana, each, each refrain, there's frequently paying careful attention. So it's like again and again, again and again. Because we forget again and again, and we get uh, we get into the the story of self again and again. So just to turn back and just pay attention. Well, what's actually going on right now? And also, I mentioned just touched on the elements earlier on of the, the four elements. So it's another way we can contemplate the body made of the same stuff that everything else is made of. You know, we, we, it seems so special and unique, but it's made up of, you know, earth element, fire element, water element, air element, in different combinations. And so we can, we can contemplate, you know, we can reflect on that, like, like the reflection we did at the meal. Earth brings us into life and nourishes us. Earth takes us back again. So it's like the earth body eating the earth, fruits of the earth, you know, food. And then when it comes our time to die, whenever that may be, the body is, it becomes earth again. Maybe it becomes ash for a while, but it becomes, it goes back to the earth. That's the, that's the nature of things. That's the beauty actually of nature. It has that natural, cycle. So contemplating the elements and, 
And then there are two other practices that we haven't touched on. Uh, one is to reflect on the, the unbeautiful nature of the body, the asuba. And uh, the purpose of that is was twofold. One is, you know, we tend to, to see others and then we can see, oh, that person's really attractive, you know. And then we're, there's, you know, there's a, there's a draw towards that person. Or we maybe think we're really attractive and then we're just, oh, I'm so great, I look so great. And uh, so the asuba, the, um, the contemplation of the unattractive nature of the body is, to, is not to be uh, turned, it's not to be re- repulsed by the body, but it's to know it for what it is. So like skin, skin is skin, flesh, blood, bones, sinews, you know, it's like bodies made up of, of these things. So anyone who's in the medical profession will be well acquainted with that. And yet still we can get, you know, lost in the the um you know, the attractiveness or the, the the shimmer of a body. So he's inviting us to just to see it, see it for what it is, so that the mind cools around it. Not so that it's it's averse, but so that there's a cooling. So that we're not uh, you know, getting getting lost in the, the passions and we're not strongly identifying with the beauty or the or the lack of beauty if we perceive it in that way of our own bodies and the bodies of others but we're just seeing it like it is it's like it's made of this stuff you know it's it's um they all kind of work in a similar way skin so it's a it does well, it does a job bones they do a job flesh it's like it's it's what it is and and that is coming together for a while, you know. It's kind of a, it's in some ways, it's a miraculous process. There's a, the moment of of conception, and then there's this growing of a body in the mother's womb, and then birth, and then on it goes. This this growth and change, and and we don't have a lot of say in in how it turns out, a little bit, for a while. <laughs> And then it does its thing, you know. It gets it gets sick sometimes. It gets old. You know, hair gets grey, falls out. Skin gets loses its tone, gets more um, wrinkly and baggy, maybe. And that's and the the muscles muscle tone gets a little flabby. That's normal. That's that's what the body's meant to do. It's natural. But then what happens is we think, oh gosh, I'm getting, I'm going grey. Oh, you know, oh dear, I'm not, I don't have the muscle tone I used to have. And it's like, well, the body's ageing. And that's what it's meant to do. It's perfect. It's meant to age. And, uh, and then at some point, when it's the right time, it will die. It doesn't always feel like it's the right time. But at some point, this body will die, and that's the deal. When when a body's born, comes into the world, the deal is at some point it's going to die. It might be soon. It might be after 105 years. But that's 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 kind of the deal. There is no birth without death. So uh, another body contemplation is to contemplate the body 
that has died going back to the earth, going through its process. And again, this isn't meant to be a morbid practice, but it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, a, a practice of that brings us back into reality, out of the dream of this uh, body into the reality of the body. It will return to nature. It is, it is nature now. We just think it's ours, and it, at some point we have to let it go, and it will naturally return to where it's meant to at that time. So we can reflect on that. And as, as nuns from time to time, we've had opportunity to contemplate, you know, to, to spend time with uh, a dead body. So the first time I experienced that was a, a nun who lived with us in Amravati, who was 90. And uh, she died of colon cancer. She died very peacefully, very beautifully not without pain, but with Im immense grace. And um, it was, she died in the winter, and her body was laid out in the place where the nuns would meditate at that time. And because it was very cold, the, it, it just sort of didn't decay too much. So we would go daily and contemplate this body of this nun. It's very powerful. And it would be, you kind of look at this, you know, and know that, you know, a few days ago that was Sister Upala. And now it's like, what is it? It's like a shell. It's cold, it's hard. And then I'd look at my hand and then touch her hand. What is it? You know, if you try and you try to understand, you know, what is it? This this body that's living and it feels so me and real and and that body which was so alive just a few days ago is it's just sort of cold meat in a way. So, you know, we've, we have that opportunity from time to time to really just reflect. But even so, it's very hard to, to get it, you know, because it feels, this body feels so personal and real. And yet that will come to all of us at some point. It's, it's, it's perfect, it's meant to be like that. So the Buddha gives us that contemplation on the, the corpse, it's known as the corpse contemplation, that this body and every body here, every <coughs> physical body here, will go through that same process. That is inevitable. And uh, at first that might be a bit of a frightening thought, if we don't really want to acknowledge you know, the, the inevitability of death. But because it is inevitable, it's really good to, to reflect on it before the time comes. So there's some preparation. And it doesn't mean that we don't live our lives. You know, we can still live our lives. We don't live waiting to die. It's not like that. But we know that that will come at some point. And if we do that contemplation of the, the, the corpse going back to the earth, it, it, um, it gives a kind, of <laughs> a kind of peacefulness to the whole thing can do. And if, if you're finding it's, you know, if you do that and you find you have terrible nightmares, then maybe it's not the right time for you to do it. But it is what will happen to each of our bodies. This is, this is the nature of things. So the Buddha gives these reflections on the body. 
so the, the living body you know, that we can experience here and now, and then contemplations of the body that help to cool the mind and to help to uh, help us to let go of this tenacious attachment to the body as me and mine. And in the Four Foundations of Mindfulness, then he moves from body to feelings to mind to mind objects, as Ayasanta Chita was speaking about this morning. And uh, so in between body and mind comes feelings. Feeling. And feeling, uh, the way we use the word in English, it's generally kind of means like emotion or, you know, that we're, we're moved by something. But the way the Buddha is speaking about it is much more fundamental. So it's just, it's like on first contact, is this pleasant? Is this painful? Is this neither pleasant or painful? It's, it's very, very simple. And uh, I'm one of those sensitive people, you know, who, who would uh, feel a lot of nuance and pick up a lot of uh, stuff, you know, when I went into a room and it was a very unpleasant experience. You can get thrown around by things a lot. And, and uh, I, was, I was very grateful to hear this teaching on the, on the three kinds of feeling. You can kind of get into more kinds of feeling, but the basic kind of fundamental, is it pleasant, is it painful, or neither? Just so whatever feeling arises, we can ask that question, is it pleasant, is it painful, or neither? And then it cuts all the proliferation this is kind of amazing when you do it. And then, you know, our tendency is, well, it's pleasant, so I want more of it. I like this. I'm going to hang out in this for a long time. Or, or it's painful. Okay, how do I get rid of it? Or it's neutral. Okay, just going to ignore that then. There's nothing going on. So that's our tendency. But the Buddha is not, he's not encouraging us to do that. He's saying, know it. So if it's pleasant, no. This is pleasant feeling. This is pleasant feeling. It's like this. And painful feeling, this is painful feeling, it's like this. doesn't mean we like it, but we just know it for what it is. And neutral feeling is a very difficult one, because neutral feeling we want to just ignore, because what, what's going on, there's nothing going on. But uh, neutral feeling also needs to be known for what it is. So if we're doing a body scan and, uh, you know, we've got a pain in our knee and our lower back's a bit painful, but uh, we're quite kind of warm and comfy. And, and then we just pay attention. Well, our mind only goes to the pain and to the, to the comfort. It's just, it's just like being caught by the, most, um, by the strongest sensations. And so we're ignoring a whole part of our experience. So um, like underlying pleasant feeling underneath, hidden beneath pleasant feeling is the, the underlying tendency to, to lust or greed, as we may have noticed. <laughs> you know, pleasant feeling, I want more, I want more, I want more. So that's, uh, so greed, you know, being one of the poisons of the mind, it's, it's never satisfied. It goes on and on. Greed feeds on greed, feeds on greed, it's, it's endless. And so just to know, like, underneath pleasant feeling, there's the there's the tendency, it doesn't mean it has to always arise, but there's the tendency to greed. So then we're a little bit more careful, we're a little bit more mindful around pleasant feeling. Then underneath, underlying painful feeling, 
is the tendency to aversion or fear. And so we may be very familiar with that too. You know, if we have a pain and we want to get rid of it, or we start, we start, um, you know, having fears that we're going to be crippled before we leave the retreat, and we've really got to move, and whatever it is, you know, it's like the mind um, proliferates in that way around painful feeling, and we want to get away from it. And of course, you know, sometimes we, we it's appropriate, we should get away from it. There's times when that's, that's a basic survival instinct. But a lot of the time it is just part of life, you know. Some of it's pleasant, some of it's painful, and that's how it goes. So learning to be with the, the, the painful feeling within, with, a, with wisdom, not, you know, sitting through intense pain and, and damaging yourself. That's not wise. But, you know, sometimes things, you know, if we sit for a long time, tensions arise, start to feel painful. Or if we're working out, you know, you have to go through certain pain thresholds sometimes to get, to get past that. And then there's just the natural experience that as we get older, the body gets more painful. There are more aches and pains. It's less supple. Or maybe we have a, an illness and then there's pain and then we feel, you know, if, if we feel like it shouldn't be there, then we're, we're creating suffering on top of suffering. So, so it's just this acknowledgement like, you know, there is painful feeling. It's like this. And then neutral feeling has the underlying tendency of ignorance. And uh, when you when you sort of, you know, it's, sort of, it's kind of obvious once you once you notice it because we want to ignore neutral feeling. It's, it's totally you know boring. What, what what is there to notice? It's like, but underneath that is is uh, the uh, poison you could say of ignorance. So. With the body, you know, if we pay attention to neutral feeling in the body, if we're sweeping through the body systematically and we come to areas that are just can't feel anything, you know, that, that's actually important. Stay there a while. Stay with that can't feel anything for a while. Sometimes when we stay with it, something starts to arise. Sometimes it's we can't feel anything because we've, mo- we've moved away from it, shut off from it. There's something we don't want to fe- feel. And so it can be just staying with it, with mindfulness, with a gentle, interested attention that, that things start to reveal themselves. And that's, that's important. Or it might be that just at the moment it it's doesn't feel pleasant or painful. And it's just like this. And that's also important. So just to know it for what it is. And then, of course, there's, there's uh, feelings, there's mental feelings, pleasant and painful feelings in the mind or in the heart. And uh, if we're always running after pleasant feelings and running away from painful feelings, it's, it's like, um, it's kind of a crazy life. And I think, uh, in some ways, California has that, uh, you know, that perception, at least further, further afield, it has the perception of you know the the place that everybody's looking for some you know nice experience and that 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 peak experience that lovely experience that pleasure you know and you know there's there are a lot of opportunities to experience that it's not that it, you, people don't experience it but along with it comes the painful 
It's inevitable. Just as you can't have birth without death, you can't have pleasure without pain. There's they they they're two sides of a coin. So you know, training ourselves to be be mindful of just those direct experiences. And a, a really important part of this is to is also to know that it's just like this right now. Right now. It's not like painful feeling is and it's going to be here forever. So sometimes, you know, painful feeling in the in the mind or in the heart can feel like it's going to be there forever. We we drop into a depression or a heartbreak and then it's like everything collapses and we feel like we're going to be there for, it's going to be like this forever. I'm never going to get out of this. So it's really important to 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 remember that nothing ever lasts forever. It won't be forever. And the more uh, fully we pay attention, we bring mindfulness to our experience, the less it tends to hang around. Because it's uh, just, you know, because it's, it's, it receives the, the attention it needs. So when we shut off or push away our experience, it tends to stay around longer or keep coming back more and more. So to, uh, it takes a certain amount of trust, you know, to, that turning our attention to the, the painful experience in the moment is, the, it is what tr- transforms it. And it might not immediately change, but it, but it will change. And then when it changes, to notice the change, to notice the arising and passing away. Because usually we miss both of those. We miss the arising, we miss the passing away, and we just notice the bit in the middle. And we identify with it, and we attach to it, and we get into conflict with it. Or we try and get more of it. So to notice the arising, and maybe what causes the arising? What's the, what's the trigger for the arising? And then it's there for a while. Maybe a short while, maybe a long while. And then there's the passing away of that experience. And to stay with that, not to just jump onto the next thing, but to stay with the passing away. And to see, well, what's there after that? What's left when that feeling passes away? And the more we practice in that way, the more free we are to allow the whole process to go on. We don't have to uh, try to make it a certain way. We can we can still cultivate, you know, <coughs> cultivate good good mind states and cultivate good habits and. It's not that we don't cultivate what's wholesome, but we don't have to run away from what's difficult and painful. But we can sort of receive it as, as one of our teachers. It's, uh, it's and sometimes uh, things come up that have been buried for a long time or that we've, you know, maybe somebody's been telling us and we've been like, no, it's not like that, no, it's not like that, no, I'm not like that. And then one day you realize, oh, my goodness, <laughs> they're right. <laughs> And then you kind of feel like, oh no, it's terrible, you know. But rather than feel, rather than identifying with with that whatever it is that we didn't want to believe was us, and so we pushed it away from ourselves, take it in, turn towards it, bring it in, let it be felt, let it be known, let it speak, let it go through its process, let it cease in its own time, let it let the cessation be known. 
So it's really about coming into direct experience with what is going on here and now. And uh, I think, you know, the some, some of the times the Buddha's teaching is, is misused. And uh, there's an idea of like, so for example, with the body, there can be this idea of like, well, the body is not self, so I'm just going to ignore it, you know. I'll just rise above the body. I'll just be this really much more enlightened mind that sort of for now has to endure this body. And, you know, we can, we can do that and, and sort of be aloof from the body. But uh, I would suggest coming right into relationship, into contact, into imminence with the body. It's a teacher. And it will, it will show us the whole, the, the, the constant flux of experience. And likewise with feeling, you know, mental or physical feeling. And I think particularly with, with mental feeling, with, uh, with, the, um, with the painful stuff, you know, <laughs> we, it's, it feels much easier, it seems much easier just to kind of move away from that just to kind of rise above it and not go there. It feels in the short term like a good option, but if you do that, it's, it's this ignoring again. You're ignoring something. And ignoring doesn't, isn't liberating. So mindfulness, mindfulness is the first uh, factor of enlightenment. It's the first step towards enlightenment. So if we bring mindful attention to what is going on, then that puts us on the, the path, on the right track. And then we take an interest. And then we, we stay steady with that interest. And uh, it, it reveals truths to us. And it might be, we might be, you know, we might be creating layers of complexity you know, there's a, there's some, maybe some feeling that we can feel somewhere in our body, and we're a bit afraid of it. We don't want to go there, so we're not going to think about that. And, and but really, we're really scared, and we're afraid that we might die. And so, but not, no, let's not go there. Not go there. And then, so let's just do something else. Let's let's, let's develop um, loving kindness, and for all being, all sentient beings out there, and just not pay attention to that. So that isn't a wise approach. So we want to, if there's you know, the body is, is also has an intelligence, it tells us things, so maybe we need to look a little bit more carefully. So we turn our attention to what's going on, and we, we take an interest and we sustain that attention and, and see what happens. And sometimes we have to go and, you know, do something, like take care of it. But uh, to, to ignore is... Uh, is not the path to awakening. <laughs> so in the Four Foundations of Mindfulness, this is really a, it's like, um, it's a teaching that covers everything, pretty much everything we experience in our lives on a, on a fundamental level. It covers pretty much everything. And uh, so because of that, you know, it's accessible in, in, in any, any moment. It's always accessible. So we might find the access point is the body, or we might find it's the feelings or the mind states or the mind objects. It doesn't matter. 
the, what, what is really important is that we are paying attention to what's going on here and now. And we're seeing the arising and passing away. We're, we're staying with it in long enough that we see the arising and passing away. And if we practice in that way, then gradually the, uh, the truth of the way things are simply reveals itself. It simply becomes known to us. And, and as we know the truth more deeply, there's, there's an, a natural freedom that arises with that. So it's you know, through his great compassion that the Buddha gave us these teachings. They are given to lead us to freedom, not to aversion, not to uh, judgmentalism, not to criticism. Just to, to know how things are right now. and both internally and externally. So when we really know how this one works here, then we know how others work on a fundamental level. Not, not in every nuance, but on a fundamental level. We know, you know, we all, we want to experience happiness. We don't want to experience suffering. You know, we, we, we are all in these, we are all journeying, you could say, in these impermanent bodies that are changing all the time. And we all have to let them go. And we all have loved ones and they, they, are, they are in the same state. And we all have to let them go. So the more we know this, it's not a, a sorry truth, but it's a, a, a calming, it's a peaceful, it's a liberating truth. So to bring that to mind, we don't have to wait until some big thing happens. The teaching is with the little things, paying attention to the little things again and again. And there's the there are the feelings that arise through um, our you know more worldly things like having a nice meal or you know seeing a beautiful sunset, and then there's what's known as the unworldly feelings. So pleasant. So for example, unworldly pleasant feeling you could say the feeling that arises through a peaceful meditation, or the the joy that arises through through giving. Or the the the, um, the pleasant feeling that an act of kindness brings to the heart. So these are these are what's known as unworldly pleasant feeling, and they're also to be known. So it's really important that we don't uh, that when we contemplate impermanence and not self, that we're not saying it doesn't matter, it's not doesn't count, it's not relevant because it's changing and it's not self. It's not a negation. 
but it's a, a coming into a direct contact, it's a, an interest, a direct experience. And so we can really fully be with the pleasant feeling and know that it will end. So there's a, there's a being with and a moment by moment letting go, letting go, letting go. So letting go is not getting rid of, it's not running away from, but it's, it's not grasping. Not grasping, not pushing away. So in that, so it sounds like, you know, we, we think that if we just get what we like and get rid of what we don't like, then we'll be happy. <laughs> and it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a logical way of thinking, but, you know, I think we've all been doing that for a long time and it doesn't sort of land anywhere. So this teaching is, is showing us that place in between wanting and not wanting, where there's there's peace, there's openness, there's interest, there's presence. And there's a, there's a great freedom in that place. So uh, I'd like to offer that tonight and I hope it's useful to you as you carry on these next days, day and a bit of retreat. There's a kind of funny chant on page 38. It's, it's a recollection on the 32 parts of the body. If you have never done it before, you, you might l find it a bit um, uh, strange. What page? Page 38. <coughs> so it's in Pali and in English. Just to give you an idea what you are made of. Handamayang Tvatim Sakarapatang Panamase Ayang Kome Kayo Utang Padatala Hato Kesamatakatachapariyanto Puronana Pakarasa Asuchino. This which is my body, from the soles of the feet up and down from the crown of the head is a sealed bag of skin filled with unattractive things. <laughs> In this body there are Kesa, hair of the head, Loma, hair of the body, Naka, nails, Danta, teeth, Tacho, skin, Mangsang, flesh, Naharus sinews, Ati bones, Ati Mingchang bone marrow, 
Vakang Kidneys, Hadayang Heart, Yakanang Liver, Kilomakang Membranes, Bihakang Spleen, Papasang Lungs, Antang Bowels, Antagunang Entrails, Udayang Undigested Food, Karisang Excrement, Pitang Bile, Semhang Phlegm, Pubo Pus, Lohitang Blood, Sedo Sweat, Medo Fat, Asu Tears, Vasa Grease, Kelo Spittle, Sinkanica Mucus, Lassica Oil of the Joints, Mutang Urine, Matalunganti Brain, Ewamaya Mekayo Hudang Padatala Ato Kesamataka Tachapariyanto Puro Nana Pakara Saasuchino. This then, which is my body, from the soles of feet up and down from the crown of the head, is a sealed bag of skin filled with unattractive things. Me, me, mine. My people. And now we do a nice one. So that you don't have nightmares. On page 25. <coughs> <coughs> now let us make the four boundless qualities shine forth. I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with loving kindness. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself. I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with loving-kindness. Abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with compassion. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth. So above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with compassion, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with gladness. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth. 
so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself. I will abide, pervading the all-encompassing world, with a mind imbued with gladness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with equanimity, likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself. I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with equanimity, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. <coughs> so, tomorrow there will be a wake-up bell at five. And then we see you here at 5.30. And in the morning, you know, we are starting with, the, with sitting first, so the lights will be down. And then we do the chanting at the end of the sit. So we can, you know, can see the dawn in the morning. And, um, yes, and this will be the last full day tomorrow. And as you move your sealed bag of skin, filled with unattractive things towards your rooms. <laughs> now, don't forget, you know, to just do that with mindfulness. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.